Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. So today we're in Genesis 17, but before we go there, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, I thank you, most holy God. I thank you for loving us, for being the creator of all, and for fellowshipping with us. And thank you for the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. For when we look upon the days of old, when you appeared to people, that was a an amazing event. But the fact is, you dwell within us with your Holy Spirit. And that's an even more amazing event. So I pray today we would understand what it means to have you living in us, that we would understand and grow closer to you, that we would have the right reverence for you and the life you've given us. I pray that our minds, our hearts, our spirits would be open and ready to receive your message. And I pray it'd be a message from you and not me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this is going to be a little bit different. Um, I've been praying and feeling kind of at times like I'm not really doing the right, the right things. Um, and not, not being a good son of God's and a little frustrated with where I'm at. And so I've been praying quite a bit on that and talking to God. An interesting thing happened to me today. And just so you're aware, I don't turn on the news or I try not to turn on the news or any other outside influence until at least one o'clock my time. Otherwise, if I do, I get influenced by it. My mind gets screwed up and I allow the influences of today and the world to impact me. And I suddenly become like just frustrated and irritated. So I try to just, I just listen to music and generally on Sirius XM, I listen to the message. And so one of the things that one of the, uh, one of the um, DJs said was you have the right to pray what's on your heart. And the Psalms are a perfect example of prayers from the heart. They don't follow any specific structure and they really just are at times really a prayer. And it's what was on the person's heart at the time. And so that helped me a lot because again, I've, if you followed me and or followed this podcast, you know I'm a process person. So when Jesus says this is the way you pray, I pray it. Uh, you know, it's like okay, start out with well, anyway. So I, I I love my steps and my processes, but really it comes down to the heart, and it's really important for me to under to be able to just start letting go to God and not look at a process. So we're going to read, I'm going to read a little bit here from, from, um, uh, Spurgeon and then I'll read Tozer and then I'm going to read the actual chapter 17 and, uh, Spurgeon is focusing on really Genesis 17, one, where it says an Abraham, Abram was 90 years old, 99 years old 
the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be you perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. So he says, look then at the text. We will read it again. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the mighty God. Walk before me and be you perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Happy was Abram to have such intimate communion with God. These sacred visits were the grand events of his life. But we need not envy him, for God has appeared unto us in a yet more glorious manner, and the appearance is abiding. Behold, in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he does not dwell among men. And in the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the believer has obtained an intimacy with God, which none of the older dispensation attained. So in the past, right, Jesus walked with the disciples and we, we've seen that, we've seen them and they were confused and they were just like any other person. They were just like me and you, you know, highs and lows of faith and whatnot. We then look at Abram and Isaiah and many others and we see highs and lows there too, but God walked with them, but only appeared to them. We actually have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We have God in us. So when I sit there and get kind of, I don't know, down on myself or thinking I'm not doing the right things, then I need to understand that, you know, and thinking that those disciples and those great fathers of, the church, men and women of the church in history who saw God. Really, I need to focus on revering God who lives in me because God does live in me. And that's my need. So looking at Tozer, and he's focused on Genesis 17, verse 3. Abram fell face down and God said to him, So when Abram realized it was God, what did he do? He fell on his face. And Tozer writes, One marked characteristic of present-day Christians is the low level of spiritual energy. They're all but total lack of moral enthusiasm. And I started thinking about, do I really want to read this to people? Because it's kind of heavy and negative. But at the same time, it's very important because it's where I'm at. I'm sitting here thinking at times, really, what do I, what do I believe? And do I believe well or right or whatever? And so, so he continues, I do not believe that it is necessary to prove this. We carry the proof in our own hearts and observe in the conduct of our Christian friends. We may safely accept it as a fact and go on from there. So the moral enthusiasm is lacking in our friends and in our own person, in my, I know in my personal life. And I, and I, can't argue with them at this point. Behind the condition, I believe there are four principal causes. They are a deadened sense of sin in the church. The very word sin is not good, not in good standing in present day philosophy and psychology. 
The intellectuals have put us on the defensive and have made us ashamed to believe in sin as a reality. Just look at society today. No one wants to be told how you're sinning. And so when that stopped being done, when we quit having absolutes, right and wrong, sin and not sin, look at what's all of a sudden popped up everywhere. It is somewhat like believing in nymphs or kelpies, quite all right for a less educated generation, but surely not in keeping with our advanced scientific knowledge. The relatively relativity of morals has been taught to our college youth for a long enough period to give the idea time to sift down into the mind of the man on the street and affect the whole popular concept of right and wrong. Hence, there is no sharp line drawn between good and evil, even among church people. You know, just, yeah, look around. The result is that when people accept Christ, they do so with little or no real conviction for sin and without radical repentance. It is rare now to see a transforming conversion. The average convert becomes one by a series of compromises, whereby he surrenders something to gain something and dickers for his salvation like a huckster. Yeah, okay, I'll give up this little bit, but I won't give up this. The thought of unconditional surrender to the Lordship of Jesus never enters people's minds. A shoddy mercantile theology has reduced the whole thing to the level of an across-the-counter transaction, with no loss of face to the sinner. Of course, the resultant conversion is a cold-blooded, emotionless affair. You know, I know at times that's how I have felt, um, that, you know, accepting Christ... Okay, I'll go to church once in a while. I won't swear as much. I'll do these things, but really, yeah. So again, it gets back to reverence, right? Am I revering God? Am I revering the Holy Spirit who lives in me enough to be transformed in my conversion? Am I saying, I'll give up one or two things, but not this? Do I continue to do the sinful things I do and just kind of look at it as, oh, well, so the guys in the Bible were were flawed too. Number three, next in order and flowing directly out of these is the absence of an experiential encounter with the living God. If you don't really revere God, if you don't really accept him, accept Jesus's grace, can you really have that experiential encounter with the living God? The personal encounter gave fire and life to the religion of the Bible. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Jacob met God on two occasions and those meetings affected him as light affects a sensitized plate. Moses trembled before God in delighted fear. The Bible itself grew out of such experiences. They were not like they were not alike except in their spiritual content and their clear and lasting effect upon the individual. The heart, I mean, the content is so weak among Christians today as to be all but unrecognizable. Now, I happen to go to a church where the guy is, the pastor is like pretty on fire and pretty straightforward. And I think Spurgeon would, or Tozer would like him. The significant words of prophet and apostle were, I saw, I heard, the heavens were opened. I saw the Lord and other like expressions. Today, we try to substitute a pale, waxy faith For such vivid encounters, no wonder the church has taken on the general tone of a convalescent hospital instead of the camp of a victorious army. The fourth cause of our lack of moral enthusiasm, as I see it, writes Tozer, 
is the absence from our experience of an object for heart's devotion. The great spiritual souls of the other days had such an object. In the Old Testament, they were frankly and unashamedly in love with the Most High God. And when he became flesh and dwelt among us, he came still nearer to the hearts of his people. Paul's heart exploded into a burning volcano of love for the Lord Jesus. It was this spirit, not his theology, alone that made him the fiery spirit he was. So the reality from what I take out of this from Tozer is we have to be on our guard not to allow a complacent relationship with God to exist. That we have to have reverence for the fact that God is in us. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And that we need to revere him and appreciate it. Because think about it. If you were Moses, if you were like Moses and all of a sudden there was God in a bush, would you fall down? Would you suddenly fall on your knees? If the answer is yes, then, and I say this to myself, would you not fall on your knees? Yes, then why am I not falling on my knees every morning when I wake up and pray? Why am I trying to do something by rote where I say a prayer based upon a pattern, a, a, a process? There needs to be on my part a true reverence. Get rid of this deadness, this, this milk toast approach. So the sign of the covenant, chapter 17, verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked to him, talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall, shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I, am made, I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants, after you in their generations, for an everlasting covenant, to be God to be God to you and your descendants after you. Also I will give also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abraham, As for you, I shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants, after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant, which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male child among you shall be circumcised, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male child in your generations he who is born in your house or brought or bought with money from any foreigner who is not your descendant he who is born in your house and he who is is bought with your money must be circumcised and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant and the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin that person shall be cut off from his people he has broken my covenant then God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. 
and I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of peoples shall be from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. Remember, Ishmael is from Hagar. And here's what's interesting is here he is in, fr- in front of God. God is there. And he's like doubting him. He's questioning him. Really, dude? I'm so old. Sarah's so old. Really? Well, maybe if you were like, you know, if it was Ishmael, then maybe that could all work out. Then God said, no, Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son and you shall, shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and he and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. He shall beget twelve princes and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac from Sarah's from Sarah shall bear whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. Then he finished talking with it, with him, and God went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, all who were born in his house, and all who were bought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day, as God had said to him. Abraham was ninety-nine years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. That very same day, Abraham was circumcised and his son Ishmael and all the men of his house, born in the house or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Now, that's some serious faith, but it's also there's reverence and there's also being able to talk your heart, speak your heart to God. And that's what Abraham Abraham did when he's like, dude, I'm old. I'm going to be 100 years old. How can I have kids? But God says, I've got a covenant with you. And he has a covenant for us. A covenant where he dwells with us and in us. That the Holy Spirit is in us. And that is God. So, for me, I need to really understand and revere that the Holy Spirit, God, is in me. With that, I'm going to just close us with a word of prayer. Father, I thank you. Thank you so much for all that you do. I thank you for your grace and your mercy. I'm grateful that I cannot out-sin grace, that I out- can't out-sin your love. And I just pray, Father, that I would understand what you want from me and that I would do your will. I lift up this time. I lift up this study, and I just pray it would go out and be fruitful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.